morning, I preach you the Word of God as we read it in Leviticus, looking at the next offering, the five offerings mentioned in the first seven chapters. Now the peace offering, Leviticus chapter 3, page 82. Here we read, if his offering is a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offers an animal from the herd, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall throw the blood against the sides of the altar. And from the sacrifice of the peace offering as a food offering to the Lord, he shall offer the fat covering the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. Then Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar on top of the burnt offering which is on the wood on the fire. It is a fire, it is a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his offering for a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord is an animal from the flock, male or female, he shall offer it without blemish. If he offers a lamb for his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord. Lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it in front of the tent of meeting. And Aaron's sons shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar. Then from the sacrifice of the peace offering, he shall offer as a food offering to the Lord its fat. He shall remove the whole fat tail, cut off close to the backbone, and the fat that covers the entrails, and all the fat that is on the entrails, and the two kidneys, with the fat that is on them at the loins, and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. And the priest shall burn it on the altar as a food offering to the Lord. If his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord, Lay his hand on its head and kill it in front of the tent of meeting. The sons of Aaron shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar. Then he shall offer from it as his offering for a food offering to the Lord, the fat covering the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails and the two kidneys with the fat that is on them at the loins and the long lobe of the liver that he shall remove with the kidneys. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as a food offering with a pleasing aroma. All fat is the Lord's. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwelling places that you eat neither fat nor blood. And then we turn to chapter 7 and read further instruction concerning the peace offering starting at verse 11. And this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings that one may offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the thanksgiving sacrifice unleavened loaves mixed with oil, unleavened wafers smeared with oil, and loaves of fine flour well mixed with oil. With the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving, he shall bring his offering with loaves of leavened bread. And from it he shall offer one loaf from each offering as a gift to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who throws the blood of the peace offerings. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving shall be eaten on the day of his offering. He shall not leave any of it until the morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow offering or a freewill offering, 
It shall be eaten on the day that he offers his sacrifice, and on the next day what remains of it shall be eaten. But what remains of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burned up with fire. If any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten on the third day, he who offers it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be credited to him. It is tainted, and he who eats of it shall bear his iniquity. Flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. It shall be burned up with fire. All who are clean may eat flesh, but the person who eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, while an uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off from his people. And if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether human uncleanness or an unclean beast or any unclean detestable creature, and then eat some flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, that person shall be cut off from his people. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, You shall eat no fat of ox or sheep or goat, the fat of an animal that dies of itself, and the fat of one that is torn by beasts, may be put to any other use, but on no account shall you eat it. For every person who eats of the fat of an animal of which a food offering may be made to the Lord shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall eat no blood, whatever, whether of fowl or of animal, in any of your dwelling places. Whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever offers the sacrifice of his peace offerings to the Lord shall bring his offerings to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offerings. His own hands shall bring the Lord's food offerings. He shall bring the fat with the breast, that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. The priest shall burn the fat on the altar, but the breast shall be for Aaron and his sons. And the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a contribution from the sacrifice of your peace offerings. Whoever among the sons of Aaron offers the blood of the peace offerings and the fat shall have the right thigh for a portion. For the breast that is waved and the thigh that is contributed, I have taken from the people of Israel out of the sacrifices of their peace offerings and have given them to Aaron, the priest, and to his sons as a perpetual due from the people of Israel. This is the portion of Aaron and of his sons from the Lord's food offerings from the day they were presented to serve as priests of the Lord. The Lord commanded this to be given them by the people of Israel from the day that he anointed them. It is a perpetual due throughout their generations. <clears throat> Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, turkey dinners, church potlucks, year-end work celebrations, those big catered meals, they're highlights of our year. And they are special, not only because of the food, but also because they are usually organized for larger groups of people who share the desire to celebrate a certain special event. Gathering around laden tables and sharing food with one another is a sign of friendship and fellowship. When you think about the peace offering, also called the fellowship offering, you should start off 
by thinking about this kind of special meal with friends, with co-workers, with family. However, to fully understand the peace offering, you need to see yourself also sharing that very meal with the holy God himself, along with the mediators who did the work of opening up the door to you to bring you into God's presence. Since the peace offering was such a clear confirmation of God's love and the well-being of the believer, it was a sacred meal. It was carefully protected by the commands of the Lord that we just read together in Leviticus 3 and Leviticus 7. In his commands concerning the peace offering, the Lord clearly showed what a privilege it is to be able to come together into his presence to give thanks to him for peace and to be able to, to enjoy the blessings from his hand. And although we often fail to live in this loving fellowship with God and with our neighbor, the gospel message is that Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled the peace offering to restore us to that perfect fellowship with God and our neighbor. He did this for us. He did this in our place so that when we hear the instruction concerning fellowship, concerning peace, these words don't come to us to, to condemn us, but they come to us as instruction and description of our new life in Jesus Christ. Led by the Holy Spirit, we too may experience the joy of peace with God. For everything that Jesus Christ has done, we as his people have also done. And I preach you this gospel under the theme, Christ fulfilled the peace offering with his perfect fellowship. Christ fulfilled the peace offering with his joy in perfect fellowship. We'll see first his fellowship with God, and secondly, his fellowship with his neighbor. Now the main focus of the peace offering is on that communal meal of fellowship. However, it's important to notice that the meal took place at the entrance to the tent of meeting in the presence of the Holy God. That's how chapter 3 begins. And the Lord made it clear then that it was impossible for a sinner to just casually walk up to that altar of burnt offering and, and partake of the meat of this most holy meal. And he made that clear when he required the worshiper to lay his hand on the head of the animal to identify himself with the animal that would be slaughtered. He made it clear by having the priests pour out or sprinkle the blood on the altar. And then we're reminded that although the book of Leviticus deals with the sin offering and the guilt offering, later on, chapters 4 to 6, after the consecration offerings, everyone knew that they could only celebrate peace with God after their sins had been atoned for. If you look at the order of the sacrifices, the peace offering 
always came last. It was the final result of the payment for sins. The peace offering in the Old Testament anticipated that moment after Jesus made atonement on the cross for our sins that were on his shoulder, and when Christ's body was exalted by the Father, when he broke through the clouds that hid him from his disciples' sight to live forever in a relationship of peace with his Father. That moment is what the peace offering is pointing to. And so peace offerings are always associated with thanksgiving, with fulfilled vows, with voluntary love. They were, they were offered up when, when they renewed a covenant at Sinai. They were offered up when a, a priest was ordained or when a t tabernacle or the temple was opened or when a new king came in to rule. The Lord taught Israel if they ever felt that they had just entered a time in their life that was very new and very special, then the best response was to bring a peace offering, a symbol that everything was well with them. When you leave a dark room, when you come into the light, you bring a peace offering. When Christ Jesus, our high priest, went through the heavens, he rejoiced in peace with God that had never been known before after the fall of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. There was Jesus Christ, the Son, returning in glory after finishing his work on the earth, now looking his Father in the eyes without shame, finding joy in his Father's presence, for there was peace. And there was his Father, like we saw in Psalm 21 last week, coming out to meet him, coming out to welcome his son who had just obtained all the riches of these gifts. Our ascended Lord now lives forever in the full joy of fellowship with God. He lives in perfect fulfillment of the peace offering and we show that we belong to him when we want to love our Father in the same manner, in that same peace. The Lord commanded worshipers to celebrate the peace with God by giving God all the fat portions of the cattle, the bulls and the cows, of the sheep and of the goats being slaughtered to bring the, the kidneys and the lobe of the liver. And if the animal was a lamb, the fat tail. When you're reading all this, if you're like me, you're not a butcher, not even a person who's, who's butchered a deer after hunting. These are hard things to imagine. And it's hard to even know why are all these parts so special. Well, if you look around, you can see that the kidneys and the liver were often used in the surrounding countries for divination. And so it's likely that in the culture at that time, they were very valuable parts of an animal to be used to satisfy one's concern about the future. The Lord says, not with me. Put those valuable parts on the altar. You don't need to look to divination for answer. The sheep in Israel at the time had, large fatty, uh, had a large fatty tail. 
that was considered a delicacy. And that's why there's a whole separate section mentioning the sheep as opposed to the goat. And then when we look to other parts of Scripture, we, we realize that the fat of the animal was considered its choicest part. To give the fat to the Lord was to give the Lord the very best. To give him the, the best of what he has given to you. And that's what the Lord is teaching his people. The Lord even considered an offense worthy of being cut off from the people if they, if they took some fat for themselves as a sign of being ungrateful. The command to cut the tail right off at the backbone, chapter 3, verse 9. It shows the Lord wants to have your whole heart, the, the whole tail, give him the, the whole of the best of that lamb. But when the Lord Jesus saw the blessings from the Father and the peace that he had, he gave God the, the best of his heart with the sacrifice of lips that praise his name. Like a subject giving honor to the king by giving him the best part of the meat on the table, our Lord Jesus also publicly honored God with thanksgiving for every blessing that he could see in his life. He would say, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven, because, and then he explains some things that he's thankful for. Giving the fat is publicly declaring that God is most important in your life. And we continue to do that as our Lord Jesus Christ did. We continue to live in righteousness when we publicly give God the highest praise for every blessing that we see in our lives, that glory to God theme of our lives. We have peace, we have understanding only because of God's grace. And so it's right to adorn any explanation of joy with statements, public statements that give glory to God. So someone comes up to you and says, what a, what a nice family you have. And you could say, yeah, well, it's because I'm good parents. Or you could say, yes, that's thanks be to God, glory to God. Or you're such a kind person, you're such a hard worker. Glory to God, publicly proclaiming, giving the Lord the fat of your thanksgiving. And the Israelites could also show that they were thankful for the peace they could have with God by giving to the priestly family. We read about that a lot in chapter 7. And since not everybody could dedicate their lives to God as the priests did, the Lord allowed the unordained people to be a part of the ministry of reconciliation by giving the priests some bread, we read in chapter 7 the breast of the offering, the right thigh. Breast was waved as a, a wave offering before the Lord. That means that when the meat was received, it was presented to the Lord and then taken back to themselves. The right thigh, we read, was given to the priests, the one who was offering the sacrifice, as a portion from the Lord contributed to the priests by the people. Verses 32, and 30, uh, 32 to 34 of chapter 7. 
And so as the Lord is making this command, he is showing that he, he wants it to be clear that as the people are giving these sizable portions of, of meat, good meat, they were understanding that their lives and their livelihood depended on the work of mediation that the priests were doing. What well, Jesus Christ understood the utmost importance of this mediation. And he showed this not just by giving meat to the priests at the time, but by entering into the office of high priest and fulfilling it as the perfect mediator, offering him himself as the perfect sacrifice. What greater honor could be given to the priests than securing everlasting peace with God by his sacrifice once and for all, and then continually interceding for the Father for us. Right now, our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our anointed King, our High Priest, is celebrating the reality of this peaceful fellowship with the Holy God of the Covenant, and if he is celebrating this peace right now, well, then we can celebrate with him. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ does not have to add anything to his work. And as we stand in the, the blessings of the covenant with Jesus Christ at our side as our advocate in heaven before the Father, by his Spirit, we may, re, may join in in his rejoicing. We may use his words of thanksgiving as our own words of thanksgiving. We are identified in his body. We may use his words because now they are our words of thanksgiving. The New Testament is very clear. Christ Jesus has obtained eternal peace with God. Chapter 2 of Ephesians. He has set us free from the condemnation of God against sin forever. In him we know that we will never need to go back to stand under the wrath of God again. We're, we've come out of the darkness and we're in the light. Out of death and in the light, we have been permanently transferred with Christ into eternal life so that every moment of our lives, we can begin the day celebrating peace with God in Jesus Christ. We move from the rest of the Sabbath to the rest of the week. We begin our week in the, in the worship services, rejoicing in the Lord, giving glory to him with our public confessions and expressions of thankfulness, singing Psalms, Psalm 107 and 56 and 116, and the list goes on. And then we continue our week giving glory to God through our love and our service to him and to our neighbor. In our worship service, we move from the declaration 
of our peace with God in Jesus Christ through the preaching to the visible confirmation of this peace with God in the communal meal of the Lord's Supper. Our love for God necessarily leads us to our love for our neighbor. So what do you do when you see the stream of gifts pour down upon your life from our Father in heaven? How do you react when God gives us just what we need in our struggle here on the earth? Even when we fail, he, he announces that our Christ, our Savior, has, has obeyed for us. How do you respond to the preaching of the gospel, the comfort of his promises, that joyful relief of peaceful times and confidence in the power of God as the Holy Spirit leads us in the essence and in the principles of the peace offering, we find that we have the opportunity to celebrate our peace with God when we have that opportunity, our hearts and our minds immediately go to our neighbor, to the people around us. Indeed, when we experience God's peace, we want to share, and we want the world to share in this most wonderful truth. So many of Paul's letters, when he talks about our thankfulness to God for his grace and his blessings, he tells us that we express this joy by supporting the ministry of the gospel, the proclamation of this peace, the ministry of reconciliation when God sends his ambassadors. The Holy Spirit confirms in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 12 to 14, I believe we read it a few weeks ago, that the principle of giving to the priests in the Old Testament continues to be relevant after Christ's ascension. And that for this reason, we ought to ensure that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So although we may not be able to dedicate our lives to the full-time ministry of proclaiming the gospel of peace here and abroad, the Holy Spirit allows us to participate in this work to continue to dedicate our first and best to the Lord and to his work of announcing this peace with him in Jesus Christ. And so we are all like children at a birthday party celebration or perhaps like a bride or groom at a, at a wedding and we, we notice the empty chairs and we feel compassion for those who have not yet taken up their their tasks in the body of Christ. And this concern, this love for our neighbor compels us for the goal of all preaching, of all announcing, of all calling, of all inviting that we all do. The goal is the joy of that fellowship that Jesus Christ has obtained for everyone who believes in him. Well, besides supporting the priests and after Christ, the preaching of the gospel, the peace offering also makes it clear that we can celebrate our peace with God by enjoying fellowship with our neighbor. 
with reference to the gospel of Psalm 21 and Psalm 68, the Holy Spirit in Ephesians chapter 4 said that when Christ ascended into heaven, he was richly blessed, and then he poured out these blessings upon others. Ephesians 4 talks about the gifts of the office bearers who serve the building up of the, the body of Christ so that the ministry of service can be continued by every part of the body. We read that together, Ephesians 4. Well, Christ Jesus, our head, he even gave us the sacrament of a holy communal meal so that we can celebrate the peace that he has obtained with God for us together. We can celebrate with our eyes looking at one another. United by one spirit is one body of Christ with one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of all. That unity was expressed, the peace offering. It was a sign of well-being. When all the other sacrifices were done, that's how it ended off. Everyone together, sitting together in peace and in well-being, sharing fellowship over a meal, pointing to the eternal kingdom of God. And so the Lord Jesus so the Lord shows us that inviting your neighbor to your table for a celebration of God's grace is very important part of Christian thankfulness. You see, God created us to live in fellowship, giving and receiving gifts to one another as we glorify God in his peace. And the communal meal was the, the highlight of that peace offering. It was so important that a lot of people be there that, that they couldn't even bring birds. Birds were too small for this type of communal meal. Just the big animals, the cattle, the animals from the herd, so that a lot of people can participate. And because there were a whole bunch of people coming to this, this meal, all kinds of people from the church, the Lord gave a whole list of special instructions. We read about that in chapter 7. There was a lot of extra things there. Because there were people coming from so many different places to participate. He reminded them. He reminded them about the general prohibition about eating blood. He added to the specific, uh, to, he added to it the specific prohibition that they could not eat any fat that was com to be give, completely given to the Lord. And although it's unclear why in chapter 7, why the thanksgiving offering had to be eaten on the same day and the vow offering and the free will offering, they had two days to eat. It is very clear that they needed to eat the meat as soon as possible. And that would encourage the host to include as many people as possible. including sons and daughters. You can see about in Deuteronomy 12, who they all were to invite. Sons and daughters, servants, local serving Levites, priests, the poor who, who couldn't even afford a, a lamb or a goat for themselves. Have a big animal. Eat it quickly. So invite a lot of people. You know how it is. 
when you don't want to have any leftovers. Just come on, eat, 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 people more. We need more people here celebrating with me. And then the final requirement that the Lord gave was that the people participating in the communal meal of the peace offering, they had to be clean. It was a sacred meal still. The people you ate with had to be in the same place of peace with God as you are. They had to recognize the sacred character of God's grace. They had to be reverent before his holiness. There would be a close connection between the communal meal with the peace offering and the eternal glory in the kingdom of heaven. And then we look at the occasions that are mentioned in Leviticus 7 when it's appropriate to invite your faithful servants, your sons and daughters, the needy of the land, to come and eat with you in the celebratory feast. Chapter 7, verse 12 says, the Thanksgiving peace offering. That would be a sacrifice on occasions like the birth of a child or perhaps a birthday celebration or the healing from an illness or victory from war or rescue from death, or moments such as these. And, and if you look at the parables, the Lord Jesus assumes this. A woman lost her coin. She found it. What'd she do? Come on, neighbors, let's celebrate. A man loses his sheep. He finds it. He invites his neighbors to celebrate. A man's son goes away but comes home. There it is, another Thanksgiving feast. What an occasion for celebration. And by giving these occasions, the Lord moves us from talking about being thankful and saying thank you to showing thankfulness with fellowship. We read in verse 16 of chapter 7 of the vow offering. That refers to the celebration that accompanies a person's official vow before the Lord and his church to do something, to be a faithful member of of Christ's church to be faithful to his partner or his or her partner till death separates them to raise our children in the promise of the covenant you can see all these vows in our own lives times of celebration times to invite your neighbor along and then we read of a free will offering it's the kind of celebration that you have just because, just because you, you love God, just because you, you love your neighbor. The free will offering is the just because offering, reminding us that we're not going through the motions. The Christian life isn't a checklist of getting through the calendar, trying to keep God happy. The promises are real. They're with us every moment. Our life is in God's hands. He wants us to delight in him. What better picture of this than the voluntary free will offerings? Let's have a party. Let's celebrate the faithfulness of God. We have joy. We live in love. What a great reason it is for communal meals. Do you see what it means to be a Christian? Do you see the joy? Do you see the celebration? Do you see what we have in Jesus Christ. It would seem that there are good biblical principles behind our desire to have different people over for meals on Sunday and other days of the week when we celebrate that peace. What better way is there to express our joy, our fullness, our rejoicing, 
and our communion than with a celebration together with others who stand in the same grace as we do? Now we can see why we want to celebrate God's peace with our entire spiritual family on all those special celebrations of God's grace to us throughout the year. Why it's such a joy to meet together in worship. Now it's obvious when we have a congregation of this size that no house can receive everyone and we divide up, but that invitation, that fellowship, that really is a part of our joy. It's a part of what the Lord leads us in by His Spirit. And so whether it is Sunday, Thanksgiving Day, Christmas, birthday, wedding, baptism, or just because we love God and our neighbor, we live to praise God for the peace that we have in Jesus Christ. And we will show our thankfulness and our generosity to the ministry of the gospel and its proclamation to the communion of saints. Christ Jesus, our Lord, has found perfect fellowship with God and his neighbor. And we have it in him as well. Amen. We'll sing together songs.